You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, thank you all for joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. And have you subscribed yet? Make sure you do so you never miss a podcast. And you might as well rate and review while you're at it. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, is Cody Tapp and Nick Schwert. Guys, do you ever listen back to a podcast? Really quick question before we kick things off today. Uh, and hear a mistake you've made and want to correct it. Um, Only about 17,000 times. <laughs> Yeah, um, we talk on the radio in Kansas City for 20 hours a week. I can't even think of how many wrong things I've probably said over the course of that time. What was the one for this week, Kayla? What was the thing that was bugging you? I had a little geography mishap. I said Santa Clarita instead of Santa Clara. Clearly, I am not from California. Did somebody catch it? Because I didn't. No, I did. I was just like, wait. And then I had to Google. I was like, Santa Clara, where is that? Nope, definitely not. I meant Santa Clara. Can we just say San Francisco? Like, I don't. Yes. No, no, San Francisco 49ers. We can't because the Niners, like many other professional teams who are making mistakes, are not placing their stadiums in the city for which they claim. So that's on them, not on. But we call them the Dallas Cowboys. Even We don't call them the Arlington Cowboys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good point. But so like, wait, but Arlington's like sort of right there next to Dallas. It's Santa- like 40 minutes. But Santa Clara is like an hour away from San Francisco, isn't it? It's, it's a, well, in traffic? Sure. What do you um, mean in traffic? How many well, so like when I was in San Francisco, I was in San Francisco for the Radio Row once, and they did oh, okay. all the media stuff down at the stadium, even though all the all the other stuff was in San Francisco and they would police escort you down to Santa Clara. And it was like 25 minutes, 30 minutes Um, in San Francisco traffic. I imagine it's significantly more than that under like pretty much every other circumstance. But I mean, you know, if you're driving around like in KC, it's probably the same as like me going to your place, Nick, you know, 25 miles. Kayla, were you expecting when talking about this to get even more of a geography lesson to start the show? I wasn't, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> right. Informational. <laughs> we're, we're teaching the audience. That's what's important here. Come for the football, stay for the geography. All right. Well, let's dive into it today and not to toot our own horn, but clearly you guys, it is the Bills and Chiefs and no one else to take serious. Are we right in saying that? Uh, how could you not say that? They played a great game two weeks ago. Then the Chiefs had to do the bounce back thing, right? You lost a close game to a good competitor. And they absolutely laid it on the number two scoring defense in the NFL to the tune of 44 points. Their third 40-point road game of the year. I looked at the Bills from last year because I thought that this is how people would view the offenses. 
The Bills only had one 40-point game in their first seven games, but they did have two points or three games of 38 points or more, so good enough. And they had lost one weird one in the early part, just like the Chiefs did to the Colts. And I think that this probably goes to the very simplest explanation. Use your eyes. Watch the NFL this year. Watch every team in the NFL this year. And tell me that when you watch those two teams, it doesn't look better than watching any other team. The only close comparison is maybe the Eagles, who are 6-0 and deserving of it. It just looks a little different. And I'd say maybe Cincinnati's coming on. But to me, there's a very clear separation. Chiefs, Bills, Super Bowl favorites, everyone else. Last year, the Titans were the one seed in the AFC. And I think even then we oh. all knew like, hey, I, they're going to they're going to rack up wins in the regular season because they're in a bad division. But nobody was really taking them seriously as a Super Bowl contender. But the reason why it was important wasn't because they got home field advantage and that gave them a better chance of winning games. It was that it totally skewed where teams were going to have to play in order to get to the AFC championship game or in order to get to the Super Bowl. This year, not just are the Chiefs and the Bills the two best teams, I believe by the end of the regular season, their records are going to reflect that. And as that came out of my mouth, I realized like, wow, really profound statement, Nick. The two best teams are going to have the best records. But last year is a perfect example of it doesn't always work out that way. If it ends up working out that way this year, it's massive because even if you do trust the Bengals, or if you think the Ravens are going to figure it out, or if you think the Dolphins are going to get healthy and figure it out. In all likelihood, if any of those teams want a shot at just getting to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to win in Kansas City and in Buffalo, which just seems so impossible given how good those teams are and how good they are at home. Well, in the Chiefs schedule, like the Bill schedule, you can go through that. They play in the AFC East, so... You watched the Patriots last night. The Jets are five and two, but you know, Zach Wilson's still their quarterback. There's problems there. The Chiefs schedule went from being, oh my God, what are they going to do in the back half to <laughs> I, I look, I don't want to call it easy, but you tell me which of these teams scare you. The Thank Titans you. coming off the bye. That team is four and two by sheer miracle, not by skill. The Jags. The Chargers, who just lost somebody else for the season and won't have Mike Williams back for that game, most likely, who beat them really bad in the first game. So the player who played the best in the first matchup against the Chiefs probably won't be available the next time they play. The Rams, who look awful. Cincinnati, there you go. All right, Cincinnati on the road. Tough game. Tough, guys. That's the scary. Broncos twice, the Texans, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. Okay, I've... I want to I want to share something with you guys just because like, it got me to thinking. I, I looked up last year the AFC playoff picture through seven weeks. No, and the Titans weeks, had to be in the lead, right? Well, week seven was when the Titans killed the Chiefs. Remember that one? Ooh, yes. Yeah. Remember the final score to that one? That was sad. Twenty-seven to three. So at that point. Baltimore was the one seed, followed by Cincinnati, Tennessee. <laughs> this is a funny one. And the Las Vegas Raiders were the four seed. The <laughs> card spots were the Bills, the Chargers, and the Cleveland Browns. And all the way down at fifth from the bottom were the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm not trying to say that, like, don't trust your eyes this year because a lot can change. A lot can change. But that was just more so that 
last year didn't feel right. Last year, it felt like at this point in the season, there were teams in the mix that you didn't really trust. This year, the standings sort of reflect your eyes. The standings reflect the teams who we actually think are legit in the AFC. The only exception might be the Jets. Because even the Titans, look, they're four and two, but they've played a relatively soft schedule. They played a terrible division, so they're going to win some games. They're well coached. Titans are well coached. So makes sense. But we, no, Nick, you're right. I mean, it's just like th- this is more believable. Oh, the, the Bills are the number one team and the Chiefs are the number two team. Like, yeah, that tracks. Kayla, do you think this extends just to the AFC or does it extend even past that? Because at this point, I'm kind of thinking whichever team from the AFC. And I, if I assume that it's going to be the Chiefs or the Bills that go to the Super Bowl, I don't trust that any team in the NFC is going to be able to beat them. I you're jumping ahead to my vibe check, Nick. So I don't want to answer that okay, yet. Okay. Oh. But she's looking up <laughs> ticket prices for Glendale. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, but they even talked about it on the broadcast. I think during Monday Night Football, they said, I don't remember where I heard it, but they said it's the Chiefs, the Bills and the AFC. And then NFC is wide open. It can be anyone's game at this point. But yes, those are clearly the top two teams. And yeah, I am very high on one of those getting to the Super Bowl and winning. Cody, to your point about the schedule, I mean, I know this isn't a game that I don't think we like to play, but I don't think we lose a divisional game for the rest of the season. Uh, The one that scares me is perhaps that Bengals game on the road. But other than that, I don't. I mean, they're they're going to lose two games somewhere, but the Raiders are bad and there's no way the Broncos get it that figured out by the end of the season, right? They're, They're talking about trading Chubb or Judy. They're so bad. They're talking about trading away their good players. It's bleak. (laughs) Nick, the one thing I'll say about the Eagles is something you say that I think is a really fair way to judge NFL teams, though, sometimes is the Eagles know what they're doing. You know, like some teams are trying to like, oh, who are we? Let's figure it out. And I'm not sure. No, the Eagles know who they are. They they know exactly who they are. They know the kind of game they're playing. Like, uh, you know, like doesn't say they can't get beat because the Giants also know what they're doing. But knowing what you're doing is a massive advantage in the NFL versus Let's try to figure ourselves out. It's why the more talented Bengals team has three losses than the Giants or the Eagles, in my opinion, right? Because the, the, the Bengals on paper might be just as talented as those teams, but they weren't sure who they were. They're like, well, what are we doing? Do we want to be this kind of offense? Uh, like when you aren't sure who you are, I think you run into more losses. It might explain why the Chiefs have two losses, because if they were more sure of who they were from week one, they don't struggle in that Colts game. Yeah, and I think that you're right. The Eagles knew who they were from week one. I feel like the Chiefs, it's been more of a process, but that's the beauty of what Reed and Veach and Mahomes have built is that you get a little bit more leeway when you have a top two coach in the NFL, when you have the number one quarterback in the NFL, is that the Chiefs can afford to take a month or two to sort of figure out what they want their final form to look like. Other teams don't have that. Other teams don't have that margin for error because while they're figuring it out, they're not going five and two like the Chiefs are. Well, speaking of figuring it out, let's turn our attention to Juju for a second. Should the Chiefs already be looking at a long-term deal with number nine? I would think so. I I don't know what Juju's willingness is on this end, but I've seen enough. Um, I call early for contracts sometimes, so I'll admit that. 
and his last two weeks are boosting those numbers. But I didn't even think he was going to be an, I didn't even think he was going to be a thousand yard receiver, even in a 17 game schedule. And he's on pace for 1200. That's a 17 game season. So the 12 doesn't quite hold the same weight, but he's on very similar track to what Tyree killed did in this offense last year, statistically. Ooh. And if, and if that's done and you can get him for less, I think that's it. I think the chiefs do want talent around Mahomes. This is not an Aaron Rodgers situation where they're like, Hey, we're just never going to draft anybody and you make them better. They tried to pay Tyreek Hill. They offered Tyreek Hill a ton of money to stay with the Chiefs. And then Devontae Adams got traded and signed with the Raiders and the price got too high. And so they did the next best thing they could think to do, which is surrounded by a lot of really good ones. But if you have Travis Kelsey and another stable force in Juju Smith-Schuster for the next few years, that buys you all the time in the world to find the young superstar wide receiver in the draft, the next guy to take over the reins, whatever it buys you time to stay atop of the offensive game with Mahomes. What do you think a contract extension with Juju looks like? So let's not, before we get into what Juju would accept, if you are Brett Veach, if you're Andy Reid and you're saying, okay, we like this guy in the chiefs offense. Maybe he's, he might not be a top five receiver in the NFL. He might not be a top 10. We don't need that. He fits what we do. He has a good rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He is young. We think we can continue to be a top-tier offense with him as our number one receiver. What kind of offer are you giving him? Because we saw all the deals that were handed out this past offseason, ranging from the Christian Kirks of the world getting $20 million a year, all the way up to the top-end guys like Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and, and Tyreek Hill nearing $30 million a year. What are you comfortable giving Juju right now only having seen him play seven games. Kayla, I am interested what you answer because <laughs> it turns out me and another coworker here at 610 have diametrically opposed viewpoints on this because I think if you're offering a real contract to Juju Smith-Schuster that you want him to sign, you should probably start that contract around three for $55 million. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, MVS got $11 million a year this offseason. And Zay Jones got $10 million a year and Christian Kirk got 20. So three for 55 doesn't seem crazy. He thinks it's more like three for 36 because the NFL has had two chances to get Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency and nobody has really proven they want him. But the difference here in this year versus others is the last two times Juju Smith-Schuster tried to become a free agent. He hadn't put up 1200 yards again. He'd put up like eight and 900. And I think that that, and they, and they think he's too slow or whatever. So maybe the number is less than we think it should be, but I still think it might be three for 55. I like that. I think we've established on this podcast. I'm not a numbers gal and terrible with money. Always think I have more than I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're willing to give us- you, I'll give them. Yeah. Three for 55. Sounds great. Let's do it. I mean, I guess it just depends on yeah what we see his production on the field. And so far I like what we see. So I I think that's a good number. He thinks it's too high to me. No, to me, it's like you wanted a $25 million wide receiver in Tyree kill and he wouldn't take it. All right. So you take the $18 million wide receiver. You save $7 million a year. You don't get the guy who's nearly as good as Tyree kill. Well, you have seven more million dollars to deal with and you have the number one scoring offense in the NFL right now. So you're not taking that big of a drop off. Everything's great. I don't think they should just not pay wide receivers. And honestly, right now, my offseason plan of paying people is 
Hey, Juju, pay Chris Jones and see you later, Orlando Brown. Enjoy your new city. Like, whatever, <laughs> right? It doesn't, that's not the person I'm worried about paying anymore. I thought that was going to be a budgetary line and no longer is that my concern. Okay, so we talked about what we would want to happen. But realistically, you just mentioned a couple of things. First off, it seems like a foregone conclusion. You're not giving that mega deal to Orlando Brown Jr. That sounds great, but you're still going to have to answer for a left tackle. Yeah. And they're not generally cheap unless you're just going to pick one up off the scrap heap, which I can't imagine you're going to do with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Other side of that is you're going to lose Frank Clark. You're going to lose Carlos Dunlap. Who knows what's going to happen with Chris Jones. You're going to have to do to address the pass rush. Once again, those positions aren't cheap. Mm -hmm. How much of a priority, if you're seeing what this, if you're seeing what MVS and Juju are doing in this offense, how much of a priority financially are you willing to make wide receiver? Dude, it's the NFL has told us wide receiver is the third most important position. You know how I know that? That's how they pay them. They pay them more than defensive ends now on average annual top 10 contracts in the NFL. There are 10 wide receivers are more, have more money guaranteed to them than the top 10 paid defensive ends. Doesn't that tell us something like, I know we still value defensive end. We know what it means. It does mean something. I'm not pretending like it doesn't, but the NFL has made a shift. I don't know that it's short term. I think that it's heading that way. You pay the quarterback first, you pay, uh, maybe, you know, you pay that and then you decide between tackle, like maybe defensive. I, I might be, the defensive end number might be off a little. I think those ones were close. The offensive tackle for sure they've passed Nick. So it's, to me, it's, I would value wide receiver more than tackle. I, that's probably untraditional. I know, but specifically while Mahomes is still mobile, I'll take my chance. I don't. It sounds silly, and maybe I'm hoping that there's going to be a left tackle in the draft they love or whatever nonsense makes sense. But if they've got 12 draft picks and Frank Clark, which being gone is a problem, but he also costs a lot of money. That's money you will have to spend on that. Maybe you can, and you can get a guy as good as Frank Clark for the amount of money you're paying him. Maybe someone better. So, like, I'm not sure that that's a downside as much. I, I, I think it is a priority because what they are going to win Super Bowls on the back of is their offense. And by giving Juju Smith-Schuster an MVS money this year, they're the number one offense again. What about you, Kayla? Do you put Juju above left tackle and above pass rush? Yes. Ooh. I yes, only made a fun answer. It's certainly the most fun answer. Yeah. It's like if, if I'm boring football, scrubbing the tape guy i'm saying no left tackle right but the fun answer is let's give mahomes more toys yes they're putting points on the board ultimately look, I, look if you're telling me is defensive end more important than wide receiver nick yes but not uh, offensive tackle i've moved on the chiefs are rolling out andrew like they're not even investing any money at right tackle they spend like two million dollars on it like eh. like they spend money on guard they have a rookie they have a second year center and a second year right guard they're not even spending money on the offensive line right now. So there is a little bit of flat and they're going to have an entirely young secondary. So unless they're going to spend money there, no money. Uh, they're not going to spend any money at linebacker. The Anthony Hitchens dead contract money comes off. So to me, it's like they're valuing it in the right spot. They're going to pay their defensive. They're going to pay their best defensive pass rusher, Chris Jones. They're going to pay their quarterback. Great. 
And then they're probably going to have to decide between the three. Do you buy a defensive end, buy a left tackle, or buy a wide receiver? And at this point, I lean towards end and wide receiver. One more quick thought before we move on. My only fear is this trickle-down effect we see with wide receivers wanting bigger and bigger contracts, like what we saw with Devontae Adams and then with Tyree Kill. So I just hope guys don't get greedy and then take a contract with another team who's going to offer them more money. Juju didn't do that the last time. Signed with the Steelers for less money than the Chiefs were offering. Great guy. Big fan. <laughs> okay. Love his pets. <laughs> oh, it's Frenchie. It's so mm-hmm. cute. Bougie? Bougie's an objectively good name for a dog. <laughs> yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So good. All right. We're going to move on to our reoccurring segment we have on here on Wednesdays, our vibe check. Where are we at, fellas? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first this time, Nick. I think I went first last time, so you can go first. Okay. Mine's pretty simple. Regression is not real. (laughs) At least for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes should sign a petition. He should start a petition. We should all sign it to remove the word regression from the Oxford Dictionary, because if losing the best deep threat in the NFL and one of the top two deep threats in the history of the NFL, not only doesn't cause your offense and you as a quarterback to regress, but perhaps has made you better, then there is no such thing as regression. I could list off a million different statistics to back it up. I know your eye test already tells it to you. Yeah, I've seen so many absurd stats. I'm sure some of you guys have seen him. How about this one? This is from Nate Tice of The Athletic. Over 41% of Patrick Mahomes passes this year have resulted in first downs. Is that 41% of his passes have (laughs) resulted in first down. The Chiefs are number one in points per play. They are number one in points per game. They are number one in EPA per dropback. And the gap between this is from Shil Kapati of the of the ringer. The gap between Mahomes and in EPA, which is expected points added, right? It's basically what the efficiency av- metric. Yeah. Yeah. What the average quarterback would do on a given play. The gap between Mahomes and the guy at number two is the same as the gap between the guy at number two and the guy at number 14. He's getting better. It turns out changing an offense doesn't remove all of Patrick Mahomes effectiveness. Turns out that when forced to adapt his game, he can actually grow and learn and get better. And it's happening right in front of our eyes. Regression is not real. That's my vibe check. I like I like the idea, Nick, that with your vibe check, he says it like Bane when he's talking about because like he went to Texas Tech and there was objectively no talent around him. (laughs) And he's just like, you simply adopted the darkness. I was born into it like he doesn't care. (laughs) Like, this is my reality. I know what I'm doing here. They also, by the way, lead the NFL with 32 plays of 20 plus yards. So the deep part of it, Nick, as you mentioned, wasn't there. Mine is team teen rom-com. You know what? 
I'm, I'm ready to it's you know like you know in the, the 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 central plot point kayla of every teen rom-com is this you you starry-eyed meet the person it takes you a long time but then when you find that person 16 candles style it is all happiness until the end and what i saw yesterday in the mac jones bailey's app saga reminded me again that the chiefs might have toiled away for all their teenage years trying to figure out what to do but when they found the one god it's so much easier you're spoiled you're love blind you see how bad everyone else has it you're like i don't understand why people can't find happiness it's so easy i just show up every sunday and it's nice and things and the sun is shining and everything feels great that's what it's like to be a chiefs fan right now it doesn't matter like my kids won't know bad Chiefs fandom. They're four and six. My kid only knows a single player on the Chiefs, and it is Patrick Mahomes. Both of them. They can't name a single other player. They know who he is because it's that good right now. He's on that many things. He's that great. So to me, it's just like I was reminded even more in that game last night of two teams trying to figure out their quarterback situation. You don't have to do that anymore. It's just all starry-eyed greatness. He was great in that game against San Francisco. Nearly perfect after the second pass of the game. It's just a good time to be a Chiefs fan. That's all. That's a great analogy, Cody. It is Lainey Boggs at the top of the stairs with Zach Styler waiting for her. <laughs> you imagine like if we just Photoshop that Mahomes walking down and it's just Nick with his hands on his cheeks like. Because <gasps> that's what it felt like probably when they drafted him. And then that it really deep. felt that way when he started playing. I don't know. It just felt right. <laughs> My analogy, I guess it should be me. By the uh, way, what is the best teen rom-com? Ooh. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, uh, that is a great one. She's All That is all I can think about, so I'll say that. That's a good one, too. I think Jeez. She's All That is right up there. Cody? Has Sixpence None the Richer had a hit since that song? <laughs> um, no, I think... Uh, you know what? You know what? I, I won't give you the best one, but I'll give you one that I think is underrated. That is just good trash television... Midnight watching summer catch. Freddie Prince Jr. belongs in teen rom-coms. He just does. I've never seen it. Oh, what? I know. I know. Man, I haven't either. I'd never even heard of it. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad I brought it up. Is that with Jessica Beale? Yeah, Jessica Be- Jessica Beale and okay. and Freddie Prince Jr. I will get on and that. Baseball related. So, you know, it's got everything. So All that's right. why you love it. Because it's a teen rom-com with baseball? Yeah, you're a little baseball nerd. It's okay. I like baseball. I'm not going to apologize for that. 90s and early 2000s had the best teen rom-com. Oh, I swear. I, I'm not kidding. I just saw... I don't know why. Look, the clickbait article worked. But there was, a, there was an article on what, what was the death of the rom-com? What killed it? Because people are complaining they don't exist anymore. And it turns out that largely it's based on studio budgeting, either your small budget or big budget. And rom-coms were firmly middle and studios stopped hmm. supporting middle budget movies. And instead of geared towards either larger budget things that they think they can make a lot from or smaller budget things that have more upside. So the rom-com's dead. We're here to report on it's always game day in Kansas City. The rom-com is dead. <laughs> That's the vibe check. Bring back rom-com. <laughs> Wait, That's I just great. saw one last week. Ticket to Paradise, Julia Roberts, George Clooney. Rom-coms are back, folks. But that's an action rom-com. That was a big budget movie. Oh, okay. Yes, fair. What's your vibe check, Kayla? My vibe check. Okay. Don't hate me for saying this. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
The Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> wow, you are feeling good this week. The vibe check. The vibe check really needs to be which Super Bowl will be greater than, right? Like which. Right. Which yes. one will you love more? Will we come from behind in the fourth quarter? Mahomes pretty much admitted he'd love the second one more. He pretty much told us that. How about that? He had a quote um, last week, I think it was, where he said that because they were talking about, you know, getting ready for the Niners game. And have you appreciated that win more in retrospect now that you've had seasons where you didn't win? And if you didn't know any better, you would think that Mahomes is arrogant. Like just when he talks about his accomplishments, it sounds like somebody who's bragging. When he's like, yeah, you know, when I got into the league, I thought you just got drafted by the Chiefs and played for Andy Reid and won Super Bowls and won MVPs. And it was like, <laughs> you'd almost feel like, are you, you're a little cocky? And he's like, no, because that's objectively <laughs> what he did. But he said, you know, having played NFL seasons now where I don't win Super Bowls, it makes me appreciate the fact that I got one so early. So maybe this one will feel sweeter. Let's hope. Great segue, Nick. Is this the best version of Mahomes that we've seen? You guys, with his 423-yard performance on Sunday, Mahomes is now sitting back on top of most passing yards at 2,159. He's first in touchdowns at 20, and he's first in QBR at 76.8. Yes. Do you want to the segment now? Do you want me to say more? Probably Go more. on. Um, yeah, this is the best version. Also, just, hey, history will tell us a little bit of something. Uh, 27, 28, 29. That is the ramp up to quarterback peak. They don't peak at 24, 25. They peak from 28 to 31. Quarterbacks peak right at that range when they know everything about the league and can exploit it. And what we're seeing from Mahomes this year is this. He is throwing the short pass. He is hitting everybody. I know that like he threw that pick in that last game. Andy Reid threw the wide receiver under the bus for it. And I rewatched the play and he's right. Sky Moore ran past where he should. Like when you watch that live, you're like, what the hell's Mahomes doing? Nope. It was Sky Moore. He was supposed to tuck inside of that. That pass would have been right where it was supposed to be. And Mahomes knew what he was doing. It was the other guy. He threw an interception and it wasn't his fault. It sounds silly and protective of the quarterback, but this is as good as he's ever looked. He's on pace for a career high in passing yardage. He's on pace to tie his career high in touchdowns. He's on pace for his career high completion percentage. And as you mentioned earlier, Nick, he lost a top five wide receiver in the NFL. So how am I supposed to assume this isn't the best version I've ever seen? So, Cody, since you're such a baseball fan, as you uh, referenced <laughs> earlier, I'm going to I'm going to invoke baseball in my answer. OK, when Mahomes you know, lit the world on fire first year as a starter, winning MVP, second year wins the Super Bowl. It was so unprecedented that it was hard to figure out what the rest of his career was going to look like because you were you were sort of at the convergence of two things, which is nobody it can get better than that. It's already the best we've yeah. seen. So how can you get better versus most young players get better? So one of these things is going to have to give and it's kind of like what Mike Trout did, right? Mike Trout immediately was the best player in baseball. The second he was in major leagues, it's like, oh, he's the best. And then he did it a second year and a third year. And you said, well, what happens if he gets better? And you look at the numbers now over the past decade, he's just consistently been one of the best players in baseball. 
And that's kind of who I think Mahomes is going to be. It may not look exactly the same each year. Like, I don't know that this Chiefs offense is better than the one his MVP year. I don't think it is. Like, I don't don't think it is. But that doesn't mean that he can't be better because kind of like what I talked about earlier, he is learning to play differently. And that is something that not all quarterbacks can do. Like, right, guys get into the league and coaches, good coaches, instead of just trying to fit them into their system, they build a system around him. And that is what the Chiefs did. Well, now that system has changed and they are rebuilding a new system around him and he is still executing it at a, at a very high level. So aside from the numbers, which are impressive, you look at all the passing stats that you referenced, Kayla, it's basically him and Josh Allen and then everybody else. And you're splitting hairs trying to decide which one of those guys is having a better season. But simply the fact that they have changed the pieces around him and they've changed philosophically kind of what they're doing offensively, yet he's still doing the exact same stuff, tells me that he has taken that next step in progressing his game as a quarterback. You nailed it right there. The fact that he's able to adjust and adapt so easily and still be, if not better than he was before, like how lucky are we as Chiefs fans that an insanely good quarterback seems to be getting even better? It it just means the same thing as it meant for Tom Brady. It means even when the team isn't quite, even if it's not his best team, because at some point, right, we'll be 20 years down the road, hopefully still hosting this podcast, and we'll be saying, <laughs> hey, what was the best team under Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, Brady's teams get asked that. You don't have to have your best team to win the Super Bowl. Not if you have a quarterback who can do everything. Because when they learn to do everything, Nick, they learn to win games they shouldn't win. When they aren't the best team, when they are down, and it's just the fourth quarter, the same way we always felt about Brady. Damn it. It's the fourth quarter and there are four minutes left and that guy's quarterback. This sucks because it feels like you're waiting on the inevitable. That's what it's going to feel like for the rest of the league, even if the stats aren't always his best. All right, we're going to move on. What, if anything, guys, will the Chiefs do at the trade deadline in six days? My guess is that they'll do something. I You're sitting on 12 picks. That feels like too many. Eh, you know, I don't, I don't think they're picking 12 guys, especially because 10 guys from their draft class last year made their roster somehow. <laughs> so like, it feels even less likely now knowing that, but I don't think it's a big move as much as I'd be interested in a guy like Robert Quinn or something like that caliber of move. I think probably what you're looking at is depth moves at either defensive line or corner. If the Chiefs are to make a move, I think they really only come in those two areas. No real reason to target running back for anybody who's asking for Kareem Hunt back. That's insane. No real reason to target wide receiver, in my opinion, unless you're going to try to go find a right tackle, which also feels like you're paying too high of a price. The only two areas make sense are depth at defensive line, kind of like what the, you know, the Cowboys did today, right? You take the Raiders interior defensive linemen, so you're deeper. You're not wow, they're a Super Bowl contender now. You didn't trade for Aaron Donald in the middle of the season. You didn't trade for Von Miller. I think it's a lower tier deal, but I do think they'll do something. I agree, and I think it's the same position. I think it's got to be pass rush. If you can find help in the secondary, that'd be great. Two weeks ago, I probably would have said like, hey, can you kick the tires on Kadarius Toney up in New York, who's obviously had problems, but... Giants are winning football games. They don't have a huge impetus to move guys right now. And they're winning games with guys at 
wide receiver that like I couldn't convince you guys are real NFL players, but that's just Brian <laughs> Dable and Saquon Barkley for you. Uh, the Texans are an interesting team though, because they have two guys. The Texans right now, if the season ended, would have the number two overall pick and I believe the number five overall pick because of a trade or the the Browns compensation. So uh, that's a team that's probably trying to stockpile picks and retool and try and figure out if they can find a replacement for Davis Mills. They've got two guys on their roster and I don't know the, the contract details and I don't, I'm not going to get into like super specifics, but Jerry Hughes, Rasheem Green, four sacks, three and a half sacks. One of them's 34. One of them's 25. So they may be willing to part with the older guy before the younger guy, but I'm with you like a, a Carlos Dunlap type where we're not going to play you a ton. We may play you 40% of snaps, 30% of snaps. But as we saw on Sunday against the Niners, the way you can play and win football games becomes so much easier when you have a reliable pass rush. And as good as Frank Clark was against the Niners, we know those games are not going to be there every single week. So if you can just add another piece that can occasionally get in the backfield, occasionally get pressure and put pressure on the other guys that are already playing. Like even for a guy like George Karloftis, I want to see him play as much as possible, but you don't think another dude vying for snaps is going to sort of light a fire under him a little bit more to know that, Hey, my snaps aren't guaranteed because this team's trying to win a Super Bowl, and they're going to put priority over that as opposed to just helping me progress along in my NFL career. This team wants to win now. So I think bringing in guys kind of like they did with Melvin Ingram last year, who ended up being a, a really nice addition could be huge for this defense. Well, and, and Dan has been hurt and Turk Wharton's out for the year. Mm-hmm. So simply put, they just need the depth. Dana, Dana got back on the field for a game and then immediately was out the following missed three weeks prior to that. So he was to start the season, a starting defensive end for them. It was Clark and Dana by week two is Carl Loftus in the starting role. And Carl Loftus is a starting defensive end as a half a sack in seven games. So, I mean, they just, they very plain and simple need the depth. Even if it's not a star, Nick, even if you're saying it's Jerry Hughes and he's 34 years old and it's another Carlos Dunlap one year, we're going to put together the, uh, the aging all-stars of defensive ends who have more than 60 sacks and see what happens. And so be it that, I mean, you can make that work just as long as you got a couple of other guys and it's better than, you know, better than the current options here. The secondary feels like a luxury. The offensive line feels like a luxury. The wide receivers feel like the luxury. The defensive end feels like a necessity. Like you better put someone on this roster. Otherwise you're kind of content to be where you are. I know we're coming off a five sack game and the Chiefs are 10th in the NFL in sacks, but I think we know that's a bit of a paper tiger and consistency wise, they've been worse than that. Okay, can we, since we got all the boring stuff out of the way, can we do the, the fantasy trades? Can we do yeah, the home yes. run swings? Who is, who is, the, who is the, the dream world trade player that the Chiefs could acquire at the deadline? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. How far in the fantasy are we going? Because I want to say Aaron Donald <laughs> hey. because he's not a bad team. But <laughs> want to go, man. The good one. Like, look, I, I want to say Aaron Donald, although uh, just to be clear, Chris Jones currently ranks above Aaron Donald as the number one interior pass blocking win rate defensive end in the entire NFL. He has been more successful than Aaron Donald this year in that category, which is its own right is obviously ludicrous. I think the one that I really want to happen that isn't going to happen is Robert Quinn. 
He's coming off his best game. He's a proven pass rusher. He's expensive, but not so expensive. And here's the thing, Nick. It's not just you get him for this year. You pretty much have to pay him next year. And you have the choice to pay him what is a reasonable-ish sum in year three. Which means you're doing the same thing I just talked about with Juju Smith-Schuster. Buying yourself time to find more pass rushers. Because when the Chiefs keep picking in the draft, it ain't going to be easy. Which means you're going to have to keep supplementing with veteran defensive ends. Quinn buys me time. It both solves part of the problem for this year and buys me time. I like that combination. Well, I was going to ask you guys, unrelated but related, where are we at with giving a hoot about giving getting OBJ after what we saw all Sunday? How much did that conversation change? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wide receivers did. We were all just like, you know weeks. what? Screw him. Get him out of here. Well, <laughs> I was all on board last week. Now I'm like, whatever. Honestly, okay. I'm still on board. It's the same thing. The 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 Rams offense was doing great. Then they just added Odell. Who's your well, team, Nick? Well, because Odell, I would still say this. As good as McColl was, two of his touchdowns came in the run game. I would love to have him as your slot receiver working across the middle. Or yeah. just using, like, Juju's so versatile, you can sort of use him as a tight end. He gets a lot of his plays in the middle anyway, like sort of moving all those guys around. We know how this offense runs. I would still love, love, love to have Odell in this offense. Dude, I'm, I'm going with the big name. Let's just do it. All right. It's been, it's been the name that everybody in the league has been talking about defensively over the last week. Brian Burns, defensive yeah. end, Carolina. Now I get mm-hmm. it. It is a high asking price. Apparently uh, I don't believe this, but the Panthers rejected a trade for two first round picks. Let me just ask you that right now for a guy who has five sacks, he is 25 years old, 24 years old. Yep. I mean, that's a guy that you, that that's, that would be a Frank Clark like trade from a couple of years ago. You would trade him and you trade for him. And then you would immediately sign him to a massive long-term deal. Sold. Let's I'm in. I do it. I would trade two, two first, first round okay. picks. Yeah. They can have <laughs> Kayla. Would you yep. trade two first round picks as well? Yeah. Dude, I would I'm, I'm in that age with that ability. Yeah. We, I mean, think about the mantra of this team every single year since they got Patrick Mahomes. When now, when now, when now. So why would this not apply? I un, like you, you have nailed draft two straight years and you got a lot of draft picks still. And over the last two years, you have got guys that look like long-term starters. Why not go all in and get a guy? By the way, if you could draft the next Brian Burns, you do it. Yes. But the chances of you doing that are so slim. And if he's out there if for, legitimately for two first round picks, you got to do it. They, I mean, again, they, I would less need it. Just you can have them. I don't care. <laughs> F them picks. All yours. Yeah. F them picks. Well, I guess it's a podcast. So we can say fuck them picks. Don't care about them. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Just get like, that's the kind of player you take the risk. By the way, is we can hate parts of the Frank Clark trade now. They traded for Frank Clark and immediately won the Super Bowl in part partially because he was great. He was a big reason why they won it. So it's not exactly discouraging me from that conversation. When now? Got it. All right. Obviously, the Chiefs are on a bye this week. So, guys, what's the number one thing you'll be paying attention to in the NFL this weekend? I want to know if Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers really stink this bad. Aaron Rodgers today, or sorry, we're recording the podcast. So today when he recorded it yesterday for the purposes of who are listening on on Wednesday, he said 
My quarterback coach said, I'm doing great. And my wide receivers stink and guys who stink should play less. That's what he said on a podcast today. I want to know if Rodgers and Brady really are this bad or if any time they've played bad in their career, the rebound always came because this time it honestly feels different. It feels like the rebound's not coming for either. Yeah, like to to a certain extent, I just want to see like, are they in the same boat? Because when I watch Rodgers play, I see a guy that I wonder, how did this guy just win back-to-back MVPs? Whereas Brady, like some of it, I feel like, okay, like they're, they're going to figure this. I feel like we've been here before with Brady where I'm not convinced we've been here before with Rogers. So part of me, I, I just want to see like, are, are they in the same boat? Rogers looks like he can't push the ball downfield anymore. Where Brady, like he chucked one right in the bread basket to a wide open Mike Evans. that should have been six. And he just bobbled it in the game completely took a different spill. I'm actually going to go to the other side. I want to know who the legit contenders in the NFC are. We thought it was going to be those two teams. We thought it was going to be the Packers. We thought it was going to be the Bucks and a handful of other teams. We thought it was going to be the Rams. All those teams are floundering. Now it's the Eagles and the Vikings. I want to know which teams in the NFC I'm actually supposed to be taken seriously. Going back to my vibe check, how great would a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl be? That'd be the Super fun. Bowl that Andy All built. the Andy stories, yeah. I know. It would be his Super Bowl. All the Andy stories would come right back into full flex. That would be fun. They're kind of Nick Sirianni's kind of a fun, like they're just, they're an interesting team. Plus the Kelsey brothers against each other. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? It's everything that has uh, every storyline. It's really good. I love that already. <laughs> we're speaking it into existence. Um, as far as what we're looking at, I mean, obviously going to have my eye on the bills. They have the Packers. That should be interesting. Um, yeah, I'm mostly focused on the AFC, I guess. Yeah, it's are the Bills this good? Because if they are and the Packers are this bad, they should just steamroll them the way the Chiefs just did the 49ers. Just go beat them 35 to 20 and call it a day. The Brady Rogers thing, though, is it does it make us sad or is it just like, hey, next generation's coming? I'm going to tell you what. Thanks for all you did. I'm going to tell you what, Kayla. Um, I haven't lost any sleep over. <laughs> You and a lot of other people. I think I think I'm going to manage. You know, it's it's been a trying time, but I think I'm going to get through it. I'll say this: I still, I I might be the only person. Like you mentioned, the Bucks trying to figure it out, Nick, and I think you are in the majority. I think they stink and are going to stink all year. They do not have enough talent. They don't have enough talent. They don't have enough talent on the offensive line or defensive line. Their defense got old. They don't have enough star power. Their wide receivers can't stay healthy, and their quarterback's not playing well. It just feels like. They're 500. They're 500 because Tom Brady still exists and he's not that bad. But it's just like they don't feel like a good team. They'll probably still win their division, though, because the AFC South stinks. I'll say what I'll tell you what the only thing the only thing I'm a little bit bummed about is for three straight years now, I've been wishing for a State Farm Super Bowl. Like <laughs> I, I want to see we, we saw Mahomes Brady. I want to see Mahomes and Rodgers and Same. it's looking like we're not going to get that. So that bums me out a little bit, but you know what? If it's Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about Aaron Rodgers that night. And we're going to get Mahomes Allen maybe in the postseason again. So yeah, I think we'll be okay. Hashtag blessed. 
All right. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you all for listening. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thank you.